This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. Listen to the Labor and Energy Show and get educated from expert guests about climate change. What they say and who they are will surprise you. Presented by PBF Energy, Neuter Construction, and Furness Electrical Contractors. The Labor and Energy Show, this Sunday night at 6. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We thank everybody, as we always do, to begin the show for tuning in, for listening into the program, and for being open-minded to become educated so we can change the narrative. Great guest lined up with J-Doc today, Christopher Riker, who is the Senior Vice President of Babcock and Wilcox, located in Akron, Ohio. Uh, Christopher will have a great conversation for the full hour today on the Labor and Energy Show. This is the Labor and Energy Show. You can always download the podcast by going to Apple or Spotify and search Labor and Energy Show. And when we come back after the first break, I'll tell you about our new expansion out into western Pennsylvania. This is the Labor and Energy Show with Jadok and Krause. Back in a moment. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard to Day. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. Welcome back to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Christopher Riker is J. Doc's special guest today. We turn it over, right over to J. Doc. J. Doc, over to you. Yeah, we've got a great show today, Joe. Uh, one of the things that we talk about, obviously, on our broadcast um, all the time and is, is educating the public on common sense and energy. 
Um, We've talked about it a hundred times in regards to maintaining our traditional energy resources as we transition uh, into a renewable future. And today's broadcast is going to epitomize that. Uh, We've got a uh, a fantastic guest, uh, you know, representing a company that is all about that, that's right in the middle of that. I want to bring into the broadcast Christopher Riker, Senior Vice President, Babcock and Wilcox. How are you, Chris? I'm good. How are you doing, Joe? Um, I'm fantastic. And, and before we start, I want to give a, a shout out to the to the Boilermakers Union for, you know, nationally and, and locally for uh, for making this interview happen. Uh, especially John Fultz, uh, Vice President of uh, National Boilermakers Union. Um, we've been working on putting this together. And, and, of course, no secret, the Boilermakers actually are such a big part of the show. We appreciate everything they're doing. And so, uh, Chris, if you would, uh, a little bit, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the company. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm the Senior Vice President of Thermal, the Thermal segment at BMW. Um, been here for uh, going on 13 years this year. Uh, thermal for us is um, really the traditional, say, fossil fuel-driven technology. So the coal, oil, gas, uh, all of the associated services and auxiliaries and pieces and parts associated with that um, at Babcock and Wilcox. You know, we've been around, uh, for those that don't know the company, we've we really the granddaddy of, of boilers. Um, we were founded back in 1867, um, started selling uh, water tube boilers uh, into actually the first, the first boiler sold right into the textile um, production industry. Um, you know, fast forward nine or 10 years and we were uh, exhibiting at the world's fair there in Philadelphia, um, won the gold medal for our, what we call the centennial boiler. Um, which, you know, we went on to uh, sell into various different industries before uh, Thomas Edison picked us up in the 70s, 1870s, 1880s. And um, the rest is kind of history. We were, we were involved in the early days of, um, you know, power generation and utility scale generation uh, and have been attached really to that industry as well as heavy industry ever since. Um, and, and we've, you know, we've evolved over the years and, um, We've got a full suite of environmental technologies and we've got renewable energy and we've got um, pretty much anything that associated with steam generation or, or kind of cleaning it up on the back end. BMW has been doing that for decades. And so, you know, when we talk about, you know, your international reputation, it's a premier worldwide uh, industrial boiler company. Um, we take sometimes for granted that, uh, you know, people understand what boilers are. Um, but, you know, our goal obviously is to educate the public. Uh, and so if you would kind of explain to our listeners uh, what an industrial boiler is, uh, what it does and why it's so important to a number of industries. Yeah. So bo- I mean, a boiler uh, is about steam generation in a nutshell. And, um, you're, you're taking some sort of a, a source fuel, heating it up, and you're, you're taking that to heat up water, create steam, and then that steam is either going to, can go to a turbine uh, to generate electricity, uh, or it can go into a process uh, to, to fuel a process. So think about something like, um, you know, in, in the oil and gas industry, they're using steam uh, as part of their production process, uh, in pulp and paper, uh, they're using it for, for paper creation, um, in pulp products in food and beverage, they're using steam, um, in, in a lot of cases to, to create their products. So there's a variety of uses for it. It's not just electricity to the grid. Um, but that's really what a boiler is. It's, it's a safe, uh, way to boil, you know, boil water, create steam at very high temperature and pressure to, turn a turbine or, or fuel a process. And so talk about the magnitude of, um, you know, some of the biggest boilers that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, cause you're obviously you're talking about powering, um, some big stuff there. Um, talk about the magnitude of, of, of some of the larger boilers. Yeah. I mean, we're, so the ones that we started off making many, many, many years ago were that that centennial boiler was 150, 
uh, horsepower boiler. So um, we've come a long way from that. Some of the larger power plants uh, around the world uh, these days can be, um, you know, you're, you're talking gigawatts uh, of power that are produced um, versus horsepower. So we kind of run the gamut there in terms of steam, uh, thousands of pounds of steam per hour that we generate. And we really have the full spectrum all the way, you know, from the smallest up to the biggest. And, and, you know, you mentioned, uh, you you mentioned pulp and paper and, and, and other sectors that you guys are involved. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on, on the other sectors that you're, that you guys are involved in? Yeah. So, so back in, uh, the 1930s, B&W invented, uh, something called the craft recovery process. And there's a, uh, don't want to get too technical, but there's a byproduct of a, a chemical called black liquor. And, uh, it's associated with this process of paper production. And so the recovery boiler basically takes that byproduct that, uh, pretty can be a pretty nasty byproduct and we can combust it and we use you use that basically recover that byproduct and then burn it to further fuel the process so it's it really it's you're taking a waste stream something that otherwise would be you know a pretty nasty piece of waste that you have to get rid of and we're just we're using it to regenerate and further uh power that production facility and you know that's the same process that's used today, by the way, that process from the 1930s to today, it, obviously it's gotten safer. It's gotten more efficient, but, but that general, that, you know, chemistry associated with that process really hasn't changed a lot um, over the years. And you, you think about it, pulp production in particular. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize you say pulp and paper and people think, you know, writing paper, but uh, how about cardboard? you know, cardboard boxes, um, it, diapers, right. A, a lot of, a lot of your household goods, um, that, that sort of thing are all coming out of that pulp production process and, uh, go worldwide, right. Go, go to China, go to India, think about the number of people that you've got there and how, how high that demand is going to come. You know, the more babies they have, the more diapers they need, et cetera. Uh, so pulp and paper is actually a really interesting um, you know, production process that goes from the tree all the way to the stuff on the shelf that you buy and you don't even think about every day. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned, uh, yeah, obviously, it, it, boilers are huge. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of degrees. Talk about the, the, um, the you know, the priority for safety in, 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 uh, in, in your products. Yeah, so safety is paramount. Uh, you know, for B and W, and um, you know, one of the things that that made our invention all those years ago, 155 years ago, so unique was it was really branded as the, as a safety boiler. Um, you know, you, you think back to think about a pressure cooker in the old days or something. That's that's basically the same concept, right? You're putting fuel underneath uh, a container of water. The problem is when it blows up, it blows up, right? It's pretty unsafe. So, uh, you know, we created this design where you're, you're you know, you're winding tubes around um, so that if you get a tube leak or something like that happens, it's not a devastating, you know, event. And that was really how it was marketed, that you could put these things uh, in laboratories. You could put them on steamships. You know, we powered uh, the, the Great White Fleet of Teddy Roosevelt's time, um, you know, we powered the United States Navy with B and W boilers, uh, and that safety was a huge, a huge piece of that. And oh, over the years, I mean, the the control systems that you develop, um, the the boiler cleaning equipment that that we've developed to keep keep the boilers operating not just uh, efficiently but also safely. Uh, you know, we talked about you know craft labor, the boiler makers uh, out in the field actually installing the equipment. Safety just you know is paramount. Um, in terms of you know, these guys are climbing up at heights, they're, they're operating cranes, they're operating heavy equipment. Um, so safety is uh, really the number one goal uh, at BMW. Everything starts there and just kind of flows down. And, and, and servicing the, you know, the boilers. Okay. And, and, and I'm going in the direction with this, but talk about the importance of once a, a boiler is installed, uh, yeah, staying on top of it and servicing it uh, according to schedule. 
Yeah, well, the, you know, the fleet, it doesn't really matter what your fuel is. Uh, every boiler is going through uh, a lot of work, right? You're putting a lot of pressure into it. Um, there's corrosive uh, elements associated with water. Your water quality matters. Um, certain fuels are kind of dirtier or more corrosive or, or erosive than others. Uh, so just over time, um, you're going to have wear. You're going to have wear either in your tubes. If you're a coal-fired piece of equipment, you, you're grinding coal all day. Yep. That's that's what you're doing. And so that, that wears down equipment. Uh, and once, you know, if you can't grind coal, you can't, you can't shoot it into the furnace and, and burn it and create steam. So the whole, the whole grid shuts down, right? Your, your power plant goes down and you're not making power anymore. Uh, so maintenance is really, really important to that. Uh, and then there's just efficiency. You know, we've, we've gotten these, these pieces of equipment down to a science where, um, you know, there's a reason why the, in the United States, certainly, but elsewhere in the world, people were building coal fired power plants and it's because they're really efficient. Um, it, you know, You've got the fuel. Good. No, I was going to say the reason I asked that question is, and is that um, it, it's so we, we know firsthand in Philadelphia. Okay, um, that was a couple of years ago, I guess, where uh, I guess it was a school in 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 the city, and I I don't know if you had heard this, but the I guess they 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 did not service the boiler. Okay, they certainly were not uh, working with uh, Boiler Makers Local Thirteen, and. Um, it blew, and I think um, that it, it, you know, it cost somebody their life because they chose not. And, and I think it was a real old boiler. Um, and and so the and, and I had talked about that with some of our local boiler makers and um, talked about the you know the the importance of staying on top of uh, of, of the system, servicing it properly. Um, and we know that you know your company um, is state of the art when it comes to the boards, but also the service of them and how important it is um, because. You know, as you know, within our union community, safety is is first. In fact, our saying is one hand for the company, one hand for yourself. Um, and then when you're talking about a boiler, there's thousands of lives on the line. So before we segue into, um, you know, into a conversation about our unions, um, products and services, um, uh, you know, that B&W uh, provides to, to, to the U.S. power industry. So, so we've got... We like to say shoot to stack. So from from the fuel source through the boiler all the way to the back end, environmental equipment, whatever you've got on the back end of it, um, we've we've kind of got we run the gamut. So you've got the boiler itself. Obviously, we're not building a lot of new boilers in the United States uh, these days, but we're servicing a lot of them. So we're doing replacement pressure parts. Um, on a regular basis, we've got, as I mentioned, the pulverizer uh, mills on the coal fleet. We've got boiler cleaning equipment uh, in our Diamond Power brand, which keeps you know keeps the soot from building up on the inside of the unit. Uh, we've got material handling equipment, BL and Shermanhoff. We've got a lot of electrical pieces and parts that are associated with with boilers, like the controls, and we have cameras, and we have. Um, valves and you know, every little piece part associated with what we call the boiler island. And then on the back end from an environmental perspective, whether you're controlling for, um, you know, various types of emission or, or just fly ash, um, you, we've got all of that equipment as well. And we continue to service that because that does also wear. So you can sell parts and services for that. And then we have a whole construction company, uh, Babcock and Wilcox construction company, which, um, is, is typically in the top, um, you know, handful of companies in the country in terms of employing boilermaker craft in the field. Uh, and we work on really anybody's equipment. It doesn't have to be our equipment. You know, we're deploying boilermakers in the field, providing those services, installation and maintenance services uh, in the U.S. and Canada through that company. And so you talk about the boilermakers and, and uh, B&W has a fantastic history and relationship with our unions um, in particular, our, our Boilermakers Union, and, and of course, uh, a, a vast number of unions. Um, talk about that and and, uh, and, 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 the, and the strong history with our union labor movement. Yeah, so I mean, I um, gave you a little bit of history of the company. We took off in, in the 18, late 1870s, early 1880s, and it, it, suddenly we realized the power of 
really the steam generation equipment and what it could do for the country. And it really was the start of the industrial revolution. And as I'm sure, you know, right then was around the, the time that, uh, that the international brother of Boilermakers was founded yep. in its first iteration. So we've really been hand in hand with the Boilermakers for our entire history. You know, we, we invented the boiler and then somebody needed to figure out how to put the thing together. And, and that was where the Boilermakers came in. Um, in addition to the Boilermakers, we've got, uh, We've got a steelworker facility in Diamond Power uh, in Lancaster, Ohio. We um, frequently employ carpenters. Uh, we're employed fitters. You know, we, we kind of run the gamut. Um, and it, you know, craft, to me, craft labor, um, you, you want safety. You want somebody that can be trained and is going to put out a quality product because ultimately that saves us money and, and we can be profitable together. And you want to know that, that they can deliver the resources you need where you need them around the, around the country. And, um, unions have been good to us in that regard. You know, the Boilermakers have been a great partner for B&W for many, many years, and we expect that to continue. And, and certainly we talk a lot about on the broadcast, um, when we're talking about, uh, you know, our union community and, and our unions and our union labor, uh, the benefit of apprenticeships. Okay, and and uh, and the benefit of, of, of working with our, our unions uh, and in particular the boilermakers. Um, talk about how important that is, and how uh, you know, as much as it's an investment in the boilermakers, it's an investment in the company, and in, and and in, in a sense, you have a, a vested interest with the the unions and of course uh, your company um, to have a, a, a well trained, skilled, you know, safety first. Uh, workforce. Talk about how important the apprenticeships are, if you will. Yeah, well, incredibly important to have a pipeline of talent. And whether that's an engineer, you know, investing in in universities and and, uh, making sure that we're creating a pipeline of talent that can come and serve our industry, or it's things like apprenticeships uh, in the unions. If, if if, If we don't have a pipeline of talent, we're not going to have anybody here. You're not going to have the expert um, in 15 years, right? You, you, you have to continue to invest. And I think the apprenticeships um, really help us with that. And in other areas um, of our business, we, we're strugg- we struggle. Um, as you know, it, it's, uh, you've got a workforce in the United States that, that it can be hard to, to get people when you need them these days. Yeah. Um, and so knowing that we've got a partner outside the company um, in the form of the unions that are going out there and working actively to increase membership and to bring those people into the organization and to train them and partner with us on the training so that they're there when we need them, you know, we, cause we still need them. And that's, that's the thing. If you, if you just watch the headlines, um, you would think that this business is just going away. It's not, you know, our customers still need us. They still need us to show up. Um, there's plenty of work to be done. And so we need to have that pipeline of people coming through in the apprenticeship program. And we really appreciate what the, uh, what the unions are able to do there. And, and with the, with the change in technology, um, there's, uh, gotta be a, a communication between the union and your company. Um, so that, you know, the training and not just apprenticeships, but also journeyman training, um, that they can stay on top of, uh, of, of the of the new technology, talk talk about that level of communication back and forth with your company and uh, the unions. Yeah, we we talk. Um, it, really, it's the customer demand. It all starts there. You know, it starts with the owners um, and what's going on in the market. So, yeah, you learn you learn how to build a boiler, and then as as uh, the situation evolves and we get smarter, of course well, let's put a scrubber on the back end of these, of these plants because we want to clean up the air a little bit. Well, who's going to install that? Who, who's going to work on this environmental equipment? Somebody's got to do it. We're developing the technology. That's what we do. Uh, so who's going to put it together? Who's going to work on it? Who's going to build it? And that's where the union comes in. And we have to sit down with them and um, explain, hey, this is, this is what it is. Uh, and, and you, you know, you bring in your salaried folks and your craft folks and, figure out what's the plan for putting this together. And there's a, there's a really big uh, collaboration there between call it the engineers and the production, whether that's in the field or that's in a shop, uh, taking something from an engineer design. That's a, that's a great idea to something that, Hey, somebody actually needs to put this thing together and put it together in a way that's efficient and safe 
and, and ultimately profitable because we, we want to make money. Everybody wants to make money. So, um, it's really important that those two go hand in hand. You can't just hand, uh, somebody a set of drawings in a field with, with no collaboration and say, go build it. Certainly not if they've never built it before. We have about a minute left in, 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 until, until we go to break. But talk uh, about that, the recent donation of a restored boiler face uh, you know, for your 1876 Centennial Boiler to the International Brotherhood of Boilers headquarters. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, talk yeah, about so, that. Yeah, really cool. Um, that, yeah, that's that Centennial Boiler I referred to that was at the World's Fair in, uh, in Philadelphia, 1876. You know, that thing actually went into service, uh, it, I believe, into a sugar refinery for a uh, quarter of a century. And then somehow we got it back at B&W, and then we kind of lost it. It was in storage until it was it was rediscovered in the 80s. We had this original Centennial Boiler. It's a cool part of our history. So we had it on display at our headquarters in Akron, Ohio. Um, and unfortunately, we were kind of having to move our space around and uh, – we knew that the boiler makers are planning this, you know, expansion of their, their cool museum, uh, history of the technology and the trade, uh, out there in Kansas city. And so we said, Hey, you guys, um, want to take this face plate down big, heavy, you know, steel piece of equipment, right. uh, take it down and ship it. Uh, we think a great permanent home would be out there with the boiler makers. So they did, uh, the, the local out of Cleveland you know, came down to Akron and, uh, disassembled it out of the lobby and shipped it over and you know we're looking forward to the grand opening of that museum because it really is a pretty cool piece of not just bw history but american history I and mean, that was the start of the industrial revolution for our country absolutely um yeah no i want to get uh if it's possible i'd like to get there uh you know for for, for that ceremony really cool uh we're talking uh chris Riker, senior vice president babcock and wilcox on the labor and energy show with jay doc and krause uh we're going to take a, a a quick break. We'll have more in just a minute. This is a labor and energy action alert. Did you know the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act, if passed, will charge Pennsylvania businesses for water usage integral to the operation of the businesses, many of which that provide PA residents with vital services. The expenses of charging for such water usage will be astronomical and may jeopardize the operations of the businesses themselves as well as jobs. Take action now. Subscribe to www.gov.net to track this legislation and call your PA state representatives and voice your opinion to oppose the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act. Quality PA businesses and good paying jobs depend on it. What's a boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Eastern Atlantic State's Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. This 
program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. Back here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause. Again, our special guest today, Christopher Riker, the Senior Vice President of Babcock and Wilcox, uh, provided or made available to us today by the Boilermakers Union, both nationally and locally in Philadelphia. So a shout out to uh, the Boilermakers. Good conversation going on uh, with Jadoc. One more reminder about our expansion out to Western Pennsylvania, actually into to Ohio as well and West Virginia. The Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause begins in July on KDKA in Pittsburgh. Now back over to Jadoc. Thanks, Joe. We, we have a great broadcast. I'm ecstatic to have uh, Chris Riker, Senior Vice President, Babcock and Wilcox uh, on the broadcast. Uh, a shout out to, to the Boilermakers Union for making the, the broadcast happen. And, and, and uh, certainly uh, lots more to talk about. We talked a lot, obviously, in our first segment about uh, the company, what you guys do, your relationship with labor. Uh, now let's uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you know, what, what's what's the state of our, our uh, traditional energy resources uh, and, and, of course, renewables as we transition? Chris, um, one of the really cool things and why I was so excited about doing this um, doing this interview in the show is um, what the company does in regard and, and, and really what your, your, your uh, position is on our traditional energy resources as we as we transition into renewables. OK, and, and, and so. I, I, so many people talk about the energy transition, but really a lot, a lot of people don't want the transition. They just want to stop using traditional energy and hope all our needs can be met with renewables overnight. Okay. And we know that that that's a narrative that, you know, in fact, that particular narrative is what inspired the show. Okay. At the labor and energy show uh, over a year and a half ago. Uh, and so, uh, talk about your assessment of uh, uh, the state of our traditional power generation from coal and, and fossil fuels in the U.S. Sure. Hey, one of my favorite topics as the right. <laughs> guy that runs the thermal business for B&W. Um, you know, first off, business is, business is really good on the thermal side. We, our first quarter of aftermarket parts and services, which is a very critical piece of the business, and it's indicative of of the uh, really of the state of the industry, our first quarter was the best first quarter that we've had since 2016. You think about 2016. I mean, there's been a lot of plants that have closed since then. Um, certainly, for, you know, the traditional fossil fuel plants. So, so that says, hey, they're running these plants. Um, they're running them hard, and that's driving a demand. You know, parts are wearing down. It drives demand on our side from a business perspective. So, why are they running them? We all know there's a you know, politically, uh, certainly from a social perspective, there's a lot of pressure on these utilities to not use fossil resources, right? right? There's Correct. a lot of pressure and we understand why we understand why we've got clean technologies and, um, we're a hundred percent on board for that transition. Uh, but they're running these plants cause they have to, you know, that, and that, and that's just, that's the fact that often gets overlooked. Um, it, you you have got to have a balance between reliable, affordable, and clean energy. It's really those three things, and you'll hear that. You know, a lot of people are, you know, will say that in a lot of different ways, but that's true if you think about it. Um, and what you've got right now is your reliability is is really in question with some of the some of the clean sources. If, certainly, if they don't have nuclear in the fleet, um, where's the reliable generation coming from? It's got to come from coal and it's got to come from gas because the, the, the storage technologies aren't there yet. They're coming along, but they're not there yet. Uh, so the utilities are absolutely running the fleet. Um, they're under pressure. Um, but, but they're, you know, you're starting to see more, I think, rational conversation happen. Um, I don't know if you saw Joe, but the, uh, CEO of Associated Electric Cooperative, a uh, gentleman named David Tudor. He's been a great customer of BNW's. Uh, he testified before the Senate earlier this month, and, and I encourage uh, your listeners, if they 
if you can stomach listen to a Senate hearing, it's actually worth a listen because there's some really good information there from experts talking about, hey, I, you know, he's trying to run a utility. He's trying to keep the lights on. And uh, the reliability assessments are, are pretty scary out there because we're just we're accelerating this this transition, as you said, skipping the transition and fast forwarding to the end. Yeah. And, and you know what's interesting about that? I mean, first of all, I, I, we, uh, what? I'm looking at some numbers now, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, as of February 2023, the U.S. energy utility scale generation mix was fossil fuels, 60.2%, gas 39.8% and coal 19.5%, nuclear 18.2%, and renewables 21.5%. And, and so, uh, you know, in so many areas of energy, okay, uh, you know, we've talked a ton on this show about EVs. I mean, we're, we're, we're throwing out there, um, nobody's against EVs, okay, but we're creating mandates, okay, um, without even, you, you know, I mean, it's not even, it's, it's a mind-boggling uh, way to shoot ourselves in the foot, okay? Uh, you know, I, like you said, our, our uh, renewables are, uh, you know, they're, they're coming into the markets now. They're going to be a big part, if not a, a, a massive part of our future, but why would we shoot ourselves um, in the foot, I think they're talking about blackouts um, because the retirements um, are outweighing the renewables coming coming into the coming into the market. I mean, where is and and that's where we say common sense in energy, uh, Chris. I mean, talk about that in a sense mentality and and you know the numbers that you're talking about rock solid. Okay, maintaining our traditional energy. Uh, resources, uh, it, it, which is critical for our energy security and our power uh, availability. Talk about that and, and the importance of, of, of this being, a, you know, a rational, realistic conversation. Well, I think it's a, I think it really is a matter of time. Um, and everybody wants to accelerate and, and get to carbon neutrality. And, and we totally understand that. Uh, but the rea- reality is there are technological innovations that are on the way uh, that that will help, you know, fill that gap, bridge the gap. Uh, we've got several of them. You know, we've got a carbon capture technology. We've got some hydrogen. We've got, you know, we're actually installing solar. Uh, we've got a solar construction company. So we're, do, we're doing all of that. Um, the, the acceleration of the closures in advance of, inve- you know, investment in some of those new technologies is, uh, I, to me, I mean, B&W, from a business perspective, we're not walking away from the thermal space because we see that it is necessary. And, you know, you know I'm, I'm a profit-generating company. I'm a publicly traded company. We've got to make a return for our shareholders. If we didn't believe that this thermal fleet was going to require our services for years to come, we'd be out. But we're in because... We see opportunity there because the data just simply doesn't support um, what you know. What we the headlines are, are telling us to do, right? The headlines are saying, "Hey, you got to close anything associated with fossil fuels is bad." Well, that's not really true. If you if you want to reduce your emissions, we've got carbon capture technologies, uh, and and those things can be used and put on the back end of existing infrastructure. Uh, whether that's coal, gas, oil, bio, any sort of fuel, you can capture the carbon. In our technology, Brightloop, we actually can produce hydrogen, a clean stream of hydrogen on the back end. So as opposed to having to build out all new infrastructure, attach it to the grid, do all of these things that takes a lot of time, we can be making investments today in the existing fleet that would have a measurable impact on the reduction of carbon while protecting those those assets that already exist—it just makes common sense. And and, but, and you, you mentioned that, that you know obviously the therm, you know thermal power fleet and, and uh, this may seem a little trivial, but can you uh, lay that out for our listener who may not know what you're talking about? Say, say that again. What? <laughs> well, you know, the, you know, obviously thermals are very important, uh, you know, to to, to B and W, and and of course, uh, you know. I want you to define what thermal power fleet it, you know means to, to our listeners. They may not understand the term. Yeah. So, I mean, 60% of our generation today in the United States comes from fossil fuels. 
and that's generally considered thermal. Anything that's got fossil associated with it today is, it's generally, if it starts with, with fossil fuel, it's generally considered as a negative. Right. So, right, right. Because it because it emits carbon. Um, but but it's of critical importance because it's the, the natural resources that we have in this country uh, include coal, gas, oil. So those fossil fuels, we have all of those uh, in abundance. So you know we've built out our grid and our generation uh, capacity around burning those fuels. It's just it's what every country in the world has done. Uh, if you go down to South America, they have a lot of hydropower. So they're using hydropower because that's what they have. Um, it, we have thermal sources, fossil fuel sources in, in the fleet. Um, we have wind too. So we've got a lot of wind farms. We've got, we've got the sun, so we've got solar plants. But the point is there's a mix. There, there's a mix today in generation, and that mix is still heavily weighted towards those traditional, uh, you know, really the fossil fuel burning technologies that that's what we have we have those resources we have those assets we have that infrastructure and so you know it's amazing i had i did a show well i think when we were talking about uh and how we got into uh, this conversation and this space as as uh a broadcast and we have our energy education and awareness initiative we have a nonprofit board educating people on exactly what you're talking about okay and john bland who um it was a part of setting this uh, the, this interview up. Um, said to me one time when they were closing down the PES refinery in Philly after only one unit was burned down. Thankfully, nobody was injured. Um, and so, out of thirty three, when did we stop working together? Okay, and and he was talking about politically because typically speaking, we you know we're we, you know we were we we've been doing the labor show in Philadelphia for nine years. Okay, we have a lot of our political leaders on. We have. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of our labor leaders talk about work issues and, and uh, you know, it's the voice of labor in, in, in Philadelphia and the Delaware Valley. So we're not used to no, somebody not picking the phone up when we call and say, you know, and, and at least having that conversation um, and, you know, and, and, and talking about, OK, well, there's an issue here with the plant and, and you know, it doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, they sell the thing for 20 million dollars less than a, a bid right above it. And so that's when we got into this space with your balance. Okay. With B&W's balance of, you know, uh, you know, the, the maintaining the thermal power fleet and, 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 and transitioning into uh, renewables and, and, and clean energy. Um, what, you know, t- t- talk about being in that space and what you encounter. Um, because like you said, once you start off the conversation, anything's got anything to do with fossil fuels, typically the phone gets hung up and, 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 and reality does not enter the conversation. There's no question, yeah. you know, and, and, and so how do you guys, you know, and as you're a leader in this, and I think it's absolutely incredible and it's awesome. And, and in a sense, it's common sense, but how, what do you encounter in, 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 in your journey, um, you know, on your journey, uh, you know, to accomplish what you are doing? Yeah, no, that's uh, common sense somehow becomes bravery in this market. It seems like sometimes, um, you know, B&W is just looking at the practical data. You know, we're looking at the realities and um, working really hard. My, you know, my counterparts over on the clean energy side um, are spending a lot of their time and our, our, our C-suite and our board, we're spending a ton of time trying to educate um, and that's why I appreciate a program like this because you're, you're just trying to educate, right. Um, and tell people, uh, including politicians, uh, and investors, you know, a lot of the banks and investors that you know, feel the pressure, they can't invest in some of these technologies. And, um, w- what we need is smart investment. That's what we need. That's, that's what we're trying to get. Um, we're, we're not walking away from the traditional fleet. We're going to be there. We're going to service that. But if we're going to bridge this gap and we're going to be here um, it, with American technology and American jobs that are going to help solve this problem, then we need to, we need to work together. We need to talk and we need to have practical solutions that take into account energy security, jobs, the ability to uh, the companies that we've got here in the country. Um, and you, you, you're right. You, you mentioned fossils and, 
a lot of people would just shut off. Um, there's, there's every color in the rainbow of hydrogen, right. To basically classify the source of the hydrogen. Um, it, we've got, and, and, Look, we're, we, we've got a couple of uh, very interested parties. We've made some public announcements about our Bright Loop, um, including uh, most recently uh, we're doing a feed study out at, um, in Wyoming at Black Hills. But you know, we've got technology that it, with investment, if somebody, somebody's willing to come to be serial number one, um, we've got technology that you can put on the back end of coal uh, or, or any fossil fuel. You will create hydrogen and you capture the carbon. So you've got clean hydrogen. So it's about investing in technologies like that that take advantage of the resources that we have, not the resources that we don't have, or even worse, the resources that some other country has, or okay. you're, you're now relying on somebody else. And we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, because I, I, I believe that market forces ultimately prevail. And, that, and, that ultimately, go ahead. And, no, well, and I agree with you. And what are the, you know, you mentioned, and so there's a whole lot there. And 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 you talk about investment in our, you know, and 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 what's going on. And a lot of these policies, they shut down investment. Okay, you know, you 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 have a you know mandate on on an EV. Okay, and and you in California that that adds seventeen. Uh, you know, 17 other states into the initiative. And next thing you know, you're losing investment in areas that where we desperately need it. I, I, I would love to get into the, what it's like sitting down with somebody. And actually, we've we've had conversations, with, you know, and you talk national security and all those things with our political leaders. And when I ask, um, you, you know, uh, Donald, uh, Donald Norcross, what, he, you know, what his colleagues are saying in, 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 regard, in regards to some of the issues out there, his his answer is, they don't understand it and so that that conversation and that education like you just said a little while ago you know yes we want to educate the the public but also our political leaders because we're losing investment with some of these policies that are coming out right now that we desperately need and yes we're shooting ourselves in the foot and we're letting other other countries take over our our, our technologies that we're going to be completely dependent on if if a lot of our policymakers who again aren't completely understanding of what to say the least of what's going on um you know if if they have their way let's talk a little bit if you will uh chris about uh you know you talk about clean energy and and, you know we only have about 10 minutes left i i want to rock and roll a little bit um in regards to that talk talk uh, a little bit about clean energy the future of clean energy and 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 what uh, uh, bmw's role is in it Sure. Yeah. I, I think the world recognizes the need for reducing carbon emissions and methane as well. Um, it, we are very active in Europe, for instance, um, with waste energy. There was a huge build out of trash burners, waste energy and biomass uh, in Europe. Uh, that that's happened over there. Um, we've got that technology as well in the United States and anywhere else in the world. Um, we've got, you know, a solar, uh, we've been a part of the solar build out here in the United States, um, where we install solar panels and solar equipment. We we can burn pretty much any feedstock and, and clean it up in a boiler, whether, you know, any type of biomass. Um, so we're, we're making all of those investments, those technologies exist and you're seeing the transition happen in the wealthy countries, basically, right? The, The United States and Europe are definitely ahead of the game on making that transition. Um, and then if you go over into say Asia, that's where for, for, for thermal, I'm a global company. Uh, we, we've got to be, we've got to be realistic. Those folks, there's a lot of people over there don't even have, they don't have power. They don't have basic, the basics. Uh, and so the fuel sources that they have that are readily available, that are affordable and reliable, it's going to be fossil fuels. Um, so, while we transition to clean energy, I think if, if we want to lead with American technology, I think you've got to um, expend at least some of your, your energy and your financial resources on cleaning up fossil fuels, not eliminating them. That's my opinion. Yep. But, but you're going to continue to see you know, fossil fuels burned around the world for decades to come. It just the math, the, the math doesn't support 
uh, going to 100% clean in most economies, you know, in Asia, for instance. Their, their population growth is through the roof. They are having their own industrial revolution. Uh, so all this manufacturing is being built up over there, which just increases the demand for power. And they're going to either develop the technology themselves or they're going to buy it from us. I would prefer that they buy it from us. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, that's, that's how we ultimately transition to clean. Now, just in the States, um, we've got a lot of exciting things happening in the States. Uh, you know, the, I, I've mentioned a couple of times our bright loop, which yeah. is the, the chemical looping carbon capture. And that's, you know, we've been working, uh, already with the boilermakers on that, um, informing them of what's coming, talking, you know, just talking through it a bit, making sure they, they're ready for it and that they're supportive because we would certainly be using union labor uh, to build, you know, build that facility out in Wyoming that I referenced. Um, and, and we're pushing anybody that will listen. We're telling them, um, you know, we've got waste energy. You want to build waste energy plants in some, in some parts of the country that can make a lot of sense. You've got landfill issues. We can build a boiler that uh, burns that trash and turns it into power. And it's a heck of a lot cleaner than sending it to, to landfill where, you know, you deal with methane emissions and all of that. So, um, it, you know, it's happening. Uh, I think BMW is really well positioned for it. You know, we, we're, we've got a really good balance of technologies. And the thing that we always talk about is we're here to support customers through the transition. So it's all about our customers. And today our customers need, uh, they need to keep the fleet going and keep the lights on. And then they need to find the next technology. And we're somewhere right there in the middle. And I think we're very well positioned. Well, Chris, listen, I mean, this is uh, literally been the fastest hour in radio. Uh, you know, the conversation. And I love I love what BMW is doing. Um, uh, you're at the forefront of, of a lot of the technology. You talk about carbon capture uh, and, and, and obviously hydrogen. Uh, you know, you're you're your bright loop technology that can be used in producing clean hy- hydrogen, so much stuff going on. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, we, we certainly appreciate, uh, what BNW does for our labor community and the fact that, um, you're at the forefront of, of, of the, the transition, um, you know, it's a great thing, not only for our country, but also for our, our, our union workforce. We say that, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, energy, we, it's not a union issue. It's, 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 it's not, it shouldn't be a political issue. It's a human issue. And, and, and it's awesome uh, that, that Babcock and Wilcox um, is at the forefront of so much that's going on. Uh, Chris Riker, senior vice president, Babcock and Wilcox. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the labor and energy show. Thank you for having me and thank you for everything you're doing. We really, we appreciate having like-minded folks out here spreading, uh, spreading the message. Absolutely. And, and, and right back at you. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause, powered, of course, by PBF Energy. Special thanks to Christopher Riker, the Senior Vice President of Babcock and Wilcox, for joining J-Doc for the full hour. Don't forget, if you miss any of today's show or if you want to re-listen to the show via a podcast, go to Apple or Spotify and search the Labor and Energy Show. This is the Labor and Energy Show with Jadok and Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.